Hey, welcome back. It's Food News and Shoes Radio, sponsored by our friends at Sullivan University, online at sullivan.edu. Hello, everybody. Jeremy Ashby, Sylvia Lovely. Hi, guy. What's up, hey, guys? We are uh, we're going to talk about Lexington a lot today. In fact, in the second half of the show, we're going to have the uh, VP of Marketing for Visit Lex mm-hmm. in the studio. We're going to talk about it, getting people to Lexington and why people come here and what people expect when they come mm-hmm. to Lexington. We were just talking about that. Or even people here. Or people they, here. Can learn what do about people what want? and expect from their election experience we we did do a question mm-hmm. we did and uh we got answers okay we so did. let's talk about it and people answered we want to thank people we wish that we would hear from more of you so please let us know when we ask a question yep and this one was what kind of foods would you like to see and here's the first answer ethiopian right what in the world i keep hearing about ethiopian food what is going on chef well um i don't know a ton about Ethiopian food. You know, growing up, I, you know, I always thought it was a country of famine. So, know. you know, cuisine wasn't something you talked about with Ethiopian food. Mm-hmm. About 10 years ago, I saw the first one pop up in Louisville. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't remember the name at this time, but it made waves. And I, I remember checking out the menu and not knowing much about it. This is a trained chef, too. It's just we were not taught this kind of cuisine in school. And, you know, what I've, what I've kind of boiled it down to is Ethiopian reminds me a lot of Indian cuisine. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay. You're, you're going to have uh, usually a vegetable, a starch, and some kind of stew generally referred to as wat so they'll have different wat so you've got you know curries and in indian food right um very similar in in you know ethiopian cuisine so uh, i mean uh, even the spices are similar usually a a spicy stew with Mm -hmm. vegetables and a rice now they use different bread some made from a a banana leaf um you know it's just i i don't know much about this but but it seems very, I don't know, rustic to me. There, there's nothing fancy about this cuisine. You know, the, 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 in America, the only real ethnic cuisines that have really taken hold in my mind are Chinese and Italian. Right. And everything else is just kind of, even, just sorta... even Indian, which to me, Indian is super mainstream. To a lot of people, it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, to a lot of people, Indian is a, a, is a very exotic cuisine. And to me, I, I L- let me ask you that about Indian food. Mm-hmm. We have about maybe four or five Indian restaurants yep. here in town, and and uh, the reason I'm asking this is that one of the suggestions was people wanted to see authentic Chinese. Now I want to mm. get to that in a minute. Is there authentic Indian that we don't see in this community? Is it Americanized? Do we know? I don't know. I'm not sure that uh, a lot of us would know. Yeah, I agree. So I, I wouldn't know. I've had two fine dining Indian experiences. One was in Vancouver, British Columbia, and it's called Vegas. It's yeah. probably the top okay. Indian restaurant in probably like in North America, maybe North, the world. Yeah, definitely. India, right? Yeah, right. Um, and it was um, a different experience than the local Indian restaurant. Was it? It was. Um, and I don't really know why the the dishes and the ingredients were not different. You know, they weren't using like premium meats or there wasn't anything different yeah. about the food. I think it was what I noticed about this, and this could be a cultural thing. The There was an owner and then the rest of the staff was female. Yes. And everybody okay. in the kitchen was an older female. They're known as aunties. A grandmother. They're, known, they're actually known as aunties or aunties. Yes. And they do all the, the cooking. Everything is handmade. I, I know that restaurant you're talking about. Yeah. And it's a very famous for, 
It is. It's like imagine an Italian restaurant just run by well, grandmothers. Yeah, you you see that in an authentic. So Italian. I had like you know, Pacora had Gobi Manchurian, you know, the the mm-hmm. cauliflower and the, the the spicy red sauce, and then I had um, you know a, a lamb that was marinated in red wine. You know, um, so lamb that nice lamb chop might have been more of a fancy presentation than the stewed lamb, right. but overall, um, I, I don't really. Maybe it's just. The well, detail I, of in and the time into it, uh, or, or is it that maybe Indian isn't just bowls of curry? I you know I so my opinion of it is I I liken it to Chinese food in that the Chinese food we eat here is not is obviously Americanized. Chinese. It's specifically New York Chinese food. It's the the identity well, of the Chinese food we eat was was created in New York. And that's what made, well, became popular. So, okay, so what is authentic Chinese? Right. Which is one have, of the answers. I'm sure there's some very authentic Chinese places. Well, the idea of what we eat as Indian food is actually from London. Things like chicken tikka masala. Oh, that doesn't oh, exist in India. That is purely a creation of a London chef in like Which the 1950s. Which has a lot of Indian influence. Yeah. Right. Great Britain. So, and some of the best once, yeah, Indian India restaurants. Right. Colony. There's actually more Indian restaurants in, well, okay. in London than well, there are anywhere switch else. Switch to so. authentic Chinese. So What would that be? Um, okay. So Westlake beef soup and then, you know, lots of stuffed eggplant. I mean, all a lot of dim sum, chicken feet. Well, that was on the list too. Dim right. sum. What's that? Um, new, dumplings. Steamed dumplings. It's kind of like a the brunch for for Chinese Chinese people. tapas. It's, just, it's yeah, small Chinese plates, small, small very plate. small plates. So Panda Cuisine on Nick Road has a Chinese menu. That's not Which the normal one? menu. Which Chin- one? Panda Cuisine, not Panda <gasps> Express. Panda, Panda Cuisine. Cuisine. Where yeah. is it? On Nick Road, um, kind of next to Trader Joe's. Trader yes. Joe's. Okay. So if they have a, two menus, they got a you know mm-hmm. normal American really? Chinese menu really? and they got a Chinese menu. So you can find it there, and you're going to find a, a lot of uh, Asian families there on the weekend. And what I love about it is they've got the large table with the lazy Susan. And yeah. I don't know how you get on this list, but it looks like they just bring all these dishes, and you spin them around. I'm so jealous. I can't get any. What would be on that spin? That's I'll tell you, because not... I got invited to go with a friend of mine who was Chinese. And? and I, it got taken, take, took yeah, me there. Yeah, what'd you eat? And, well, and he, you, you know, get? don't order. I'll, I'll order for the table. I got, so went. And it was a lot of things that... You would think seem simple, but are not. The, the the execution, the complexity is in the execution. So one of the things I remember is pig's ears noodles, which is the sliced uh, cartilage from a pig's ear yeah. in like a cold noodle salad. And it only had probably three ingredients, four ingredients in it, but it was so, everything was but so... But that wouldn't be something Americans would... You would never see that I don't on know, your local to-go menu. I don't think they'd line up at the door for no, right out. Chicken so. feet, like you mentioned. Chicken, chicken Marinated feet. chicken no, feet. I, I think chicken feet. A lot of yeah. cold meat preparations that we don't eat in America. We don't do that. We don't do cold meat. Well, we uh, do deli meat. In China, it. cold meat is, I mean, it's a, if I'm not mistaken... Certain meats are eaten in certain orders in certain meals. So the cold meat would That's be cool. your, your starter. You'd start with a cold is, is, meat. Is it different? Are this, is there like cooked meat versus some I, raw I think meat? most of it was cooked, but it was all, but it was almost like a meat salad. There's the only way I know how to describe some of these dishes because I don't have, yeah. I don't have a frame of reference for them because it's not, you know, it's not Kung Pao chicken. You know, does, does that make sense? It's a lot of like. Yeah, you're going to find, you know, all right, complex in taste and flavor, simple in ingredients. Right. And they'll, you know, they're going to they're gonna sear their meat or protein and they're going to have it with Chinese broccoli, which is a totally different broccoli, right? right? Like a broccoli rob. Um, but that's the dish. You know, they'll do a dish of broccoli, they'll do a dish of this, and then it's all shared. It's, you it's, never know what you're going to do. But it, in a way, it reminds me how you would eat if you went to Italy, where you don't get 
par chicken parmesan on a plate on top of spaghetti, you get a small spaghetti course. Then you get a small meat course. Then you get a small fish course. Then you get a small... Mm -hmm. it, it, it's that kind of eating. We're the only ones in the in the world, I think, that eat massive plates. Oh, Whereas I know. most places eat oh. very small, multiple plate meals. Which I think I like. A lot more to taste, right? Yeah, tapas more, I think. Well, and that was on the list, too, tapas. Now, I do have to say that if you go to Louisville, there's another place called Oriental House on Shelbyville Road. Mm -hmm. That's, that, in my opinion, best Chinese in the state, maybe mm -hmm. region. And they have the same situation. They've got the normal American Chinese restaurant, menu. and then there's a Chinese menu. And yeah. I Is used to, right? when I lived in Louisville, mm -hmm. drive, uh, Sunday, that was my Sunday lunch. Because typically my wife was working in residency, so just eat alone. Go see the same people and have, you yeah. know, really interesting well, soups and dim sums. Just, I just kind of worked my way down the menu and didn't even know what I was getting. What, what, what about Indo-Chinese? That's listed as well. So what I is mean, that? fabulous Indonesia? cuisine, crossing yeah. Indian and Chinese. A lot of the, a lot of. I mean, talk about Indonesia. You know, so it's almost like we're all those flavors of Thailand and Asia. Meat, right. all yeah. the curry. You and forget stews. how big China is. Yeah, China is a massive place. Well, and well, when you go to a, an Indian restaurant, for instance, there are a few Indian restaurants in town that have fried rice on the menu. And yeah. it's a version of Indochina, Indo-Chinese fried rice. So okay. you're getting fried rice, but you're getting it with well, Indian spices. And you know, it's, it's a completely okay. different dish. I don't know my geography very well, but how does the Filipino... There's a surge in Filipino foods, I, I think. It's like Ethiopian. I keep hearing so it, the right? Philippines Am I right about large, that? has a large Latin influence, a large Spanish influence. So you get a lot of Asian flavors, but with... European, Spanish, Latin technique. Chef, you flavors. did a dinner. Uh, an Indo you did a Filipino dinner. I did, and I was kind of studying some of the classic you know dishes and that's where the trend you were talking about it was it was very recently we had this kind of insurge like mm -hmm. what's all this filipino stuff so we did explore it lovely cuisine and i was waiting for it to kind of land here in lexington i haven't really seen anything like yeah. that have have you no no, but it's I mean, certainly fantastic. Okay. And okay. Indonesian in general, I'm I'm a big fan. You, I, I just find a lot of similarities in Chinese. It's almost like a mashup, you know, noodles and meatballs and different, you know, a lot yeah. of influences from India. So every, you know, when you really think about cuisine from across the world, well, there's only so many ways you can cook food. So every cuisine has a meatball. Every cuisine has a, bread. a version of a bread, a pasta, yeah. a sandwich, and the the beauties and just the intricacies of the differences because mm -hmm. on paper they're all the same ingredients and they're all it's just the order you what, put them in what, what about japanese you know we saw kind of a spate of japanese restaurants open up with toyota mm -hmm. coming oh, yeah. into town but i don't hear a lot about that is that because we have plenty of them um, i think you may see um sushi and japanese cuisine kind of separate itself from mm -hmm. each other because that's kind of what i think we know is Japanese food is just sushi restaurant, right? Um, and it's much, far, far much more complex than that. In fact, I, I, I'm seeing that now. Like there's yeah. there's Japanese restaurants, and they don't do sushi. It's more <coughs> katsu and the other dishes that yeah. they're mm -hmm. familiar with. But yeah, I think we've kind of rolled those into one thing, and we just think sushi Japanese. I agree. I will say I think of all the world cuisines that came to America, I think Japanese the one has probably stayed the most authentic to the original yeah. flavors and you know there, i'm sure it's that's very like the japanese you know, there is a way here. to make sushi and you're mm -hmm. not going to you know, other than maybe a, you know uh, a california roll mm -hmm. there 
if, if sushi is made by a classically trained sushi chef, it's going to be very, very right. traditional. Mm-hmm. How about yeah. a seafood buffet? I'm for them. <laughs> I love them, man. Seafood would be Do hard you? to have on a buffet, wouldn't it be? It really is. Right now, I think you'd be um, broke in a week if you did yeah. that. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's just no... Fish is so delicate, I think. That's not a... I'll be honest. Now, I like a good buffet, but... It's scary, isn't it? Yeah. Seafood buffets worry me a little bit. Yeah. I've never been my... Growing up in Florida, weirdly enough, in Florida, you see a lot of, of, of uh, uh, seafood buffets. And it's never the never. good stuff. Because the stuff is, it's just hard to, it, they're so delicate, right? It's mm, delicate. Fish, seafood, it just doesn't hold well. Right. right. You know, it's not something, unless you've got a soup, a stew, or a chowder, you can just cook and let it sit out and stay hot. Mm-hmm. It'll just turn to mush yeah. and lose all, it's one of those just fresher qu- things that you, you just have to cook all the minute and eat. You know, And also buffet, it's so perishable. Like, right. if you, you know, I don't like, I, when when things smell fishy, it, True. I, yeah, I don't go yeah, near yeah, yeah. yeah, So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, a seafood buffet sounds great. New Orleans House was one of my favorites That's of right, all time. And we had that here. Yeah. But, you know, that was obviously, you know, as, as times change, you know, and shipping and taste yeah, it's just too true. expensive i think to do i mean a seafood buffet now would be 150 bucks a person in general yeah. what do you guys think of buffets how often do you because i'll be honest i have not had a buffet i have not been to a buffet since the pandemic there's a couple of good salad bar buffets around cattlemen's i love to go to cattlemen's and i'm not a meat eater and it is a big buffet but it's all like you know there's no meats nothing yeah. like that not like uh, what's the big Golden, but, like Golden Corral. Yeah, Golden right. Corral, yeah. where you can go to a million stations and get all this different right. food. I, I don't think that would be my thing. Yeah, I, you know, as a kid, used to love that. And sometimes I still do. But, you know, th- those are buffets are for feeding, feeding yeah. a lot of if people. If you don't eat right? a lot. If you want to dine, then yeah. just, I don't know, not seeking a buffet. Yeah, if yeah. you want a good Except dining experience. Except the salad experience. bar. I still would vote for a salad bar. Right. Now, I will say buffets, going back to the conversation about Indian food. I think when oh, you're, you're trying buffets. to introduce yeah. somebody to a cuisine, a buffet is a really smart way to go because that's they can true. taste. And, and they do have buffets. And that's how I was introduced to Indian food. That's you right. know, the first couple times I went to Indian food, I didn't order off a menu because I you didn't did know enough. And now I now I know you what know I know how to sample. Yeah, and yeah. That, I think that's a good way to introduce people to a cuisine. But mm-hmm. understand, you're never getting the best version well, of that cuisine. Well, high traffic. Can, what does Lexington need to do to raise the bar on its culinary scene? That's a good question. You know, one thing that I don't see here, um, and I don't know, I, I think Lexington may be ready for it. Um, you know, we have the big high-end steakhouses now that are just mm-hmm. like the big city steakhouses where you, you pay 100 bucks for steak and uh-huh. you get that. Um, and it's great. Trust me. I love, yeah. you know, But I don't see the five diamond, five star experience where it's a pre-fee menu and tasting menus tasting like that. menu yeah. i mean i think holly hill has been pretty they've always kind of had their three course thing going yeah. on that's been the closest we've gotten to that experience right. now there's always you know we do multiple course dinners all the time but someplace that's dedicated to to that i think it's a hard road ahead for those kinds of restaurants yeah, that's um, true. you know they say it's hard road right you know and and like Charlie Trotter and, you know, uh, Noma now going away. Yeah. You know, Charlie yeah. died. I mean, probably drank himself to death. Um, 
because of the lifestyle, you know, yeah. and it's really, I just don't think people are going to put up with it. And, you know, Charlie, th- to have that kind <clears throat> of restaurant and to run it, to do those kinds of things, it's slave labor. I mean, and also people nowadays, I don't think they want to put up with being told exactly how to do. I mean, what you have to do in those restaurants is take all the guesswork out of it and take control. You can't let the customer Right. dictate what they're going to uh-huh. do because they're going to mess it up and some of them are famously rude to their customers right. it's kind of like if you ask for any kind of substitute or anything you're oh, yeah. like thrown out so my favorite quote from charlie trotter is i mean this is the greatest business in the world except for my customers and my staff yeah right. <laughs> well, you asked what we need to do to become a world-class food city and i look at charleston and you made a good point off there yeah. that we don't have a really good food festival. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we have like a Crave. And Crave celebrates restaurants. Oh, yeah. That's, and that's a good one. Yeah. It's a good, but Crave doesn't sell. Crave celebrates restaurants. But when I say a food festival, food. we don't celebrate the cuisine of the bluegrass. And when you go to Charleston, they celebrate their their regionality and their cuisine. And we don't do that just yet. We're I don't feel like Kentucky is confident enough at, on, a, on, a, on a national stage. Right. Even though our food is as good as anywhere in the our regional cuisine is as good as anywhere in the world, to us, it's just the stuff we grew up eating. And I think until we start celebrating it like like Charleston does, we're is not going to get taken as seriously uh, as a cuisine. A, is city. that a function of us not coming together with our fellow restaurateurs well enough? Is that a is that a factor? You know, I've wondered that myself, Sylvia. And and as I'm thinking about it, you know, and we're going to talk about this in the next segment about visit lex and how mm-hmm. how i think we're you know the charleston food and wine festival was centered downtown right. and i'm thinking back because i was a part of that several times how they pulled it off and it was kind of different locations feeding into a central location right i'm just not sure that the infrastructure for a downtown event like that has been thought out there's, yeah. there's a lot of moving parts. One thing could be parking here in Lexington, right? Right, that's an issue. Oh, yeah, that's, that's become an, an issue. It's a big issue right now. It's, it's a big issue right now. Yeah. But, um, but I'm seeing, I mean, I'm seeing almost like with Crave going on and these other little things, almost like the critical mass where they can all come together right. and right. really get it and talk about yeah. what we're doing here. I, like, because I do, I mean, I love a food festival where you can go and try out little samples and stuff, but... I want it, I mean, selfish, to be promoting the pinnacle of what we do here, not the cheapest slider right. with grease fries you right. can get for a dollar fifty. That's what I'm saying. We need to celebrate the regionality, the cuisine that is from our region. And until right. until we do that, the rest of the country is not going to celebrate it. You know, you know and it, how... Actually, I don't know, Twitch, the, it, Charleston Food and Wine Festival... Like it was out of towners. That's what I'm saying. Oh yeah, people like I think would go. I think here we're I think here we're you know a lot of because we grew up with this stuff. It's not romantic to us. That, so that, they, I guess that so our point. people want the different slider of fries because they're right. tired of soup, beans, and cornbread. Well, when you go to right? the the uh, uh, the wine and festival uh, yeah. in Charleston, yeah, and you go there, what do they do? They have bites, right, or not? And uh, and do you get a glass of wine, or how does it work? Do you get a plastic glass? To me, sort of the classiness of doing stuff like that is making it classy. 
So they did have kind of the Central Park area that had a couple stages where there was things going on, but a lot of the events were broken out into different establishments in the town. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, so if you wanted the oh, wine okay. class, you would go to the wine shop and yeah. you know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. So you were cross promoting your local businesses. So it wasn't businesses. necessarily tense with Right, and it also wasn't just some convention trying to make money. It was you know, that was that was spread out amongst the business. It was a celebration of the region and right. i think right. we need to it do took that. everybody to do it right right it's working together mm-hmm. all right speaking of working together we're going to talk to our friends at visit lex coming up next so don't go anywhere it's food news and choose radio and hey, welcome back it's food news and choose radio we're going to talk about you know we don't ever think about lexington as a place to visit because we live here but lexington mm-hmm. is a place to visit and if getting not, hotter by the minute right, right if you're not yeah. from here uh leslie miller who's the vp of marketing at visit lex and your whole job is to get people yeah. to visit well, lex. i want to know do you ever need an assistant <laughs> chef won't let me cook in his kitchen We're and i need a job that's really fine to have you all I'm right you all heard that come here and eat, you know what he said he said that that actually would be good for the tourism industry is if i stay out of a kitchen i think it's <laughs> yeah, it would. It we would. need you outside promoting and being pretty that's and right. bringing that's people right. oh i love that there you go you now have an assistant how do you get people to any city to lexington what what is it that brings people to a place like this is it uh, tourism? Is it uh, business tourism? Like, uh, you know, Indianapolis mm-hmm. is a big city for conventions. Like, what what is yeah. it that brings people What's here? Happening? Yeah, there's lots of different ways that, that we approach that in different audiences that we consider, you know. Um, when you're talking about tourism and experiencing things in, in the city, you know, our locals are really important to us. So we always are wanting to make sure that we're keeping them up to date and informed on what's going on oh, and yeah. reminding them to get out and experience these things that make our city so fabulous. Um, but from the visitor side of things, um, you know, we, we look at we use a lot of our data. We've we've got different analytics partners that we look at to determine where the biggest opportunities are in terms of markets. And we kind of marry that with what we see in terms of travel sentiment and then um, identify sort of where we want to where we want to um, go and what the message is that that we find. That's what we need. So you're on a great wh- role. What are people actually looking for in a city like for, yeah. uh, for these conventions and stuff? How do so, so kind of from the visitor perspective, you know, I think coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, some some travel behaviors and things have changed, just like mm-hmm. they have in all all areas yeah. of of our lives that we've seen. And so, yeah, what is the uh, what what's happening? So and we I, ended the pandemic, and then people started coming out again. What are they? Is there anything new there? Are they looking? I know your background is in branding, and yes. you've been with the Visit Lex for a while. And uh, what are people, have they changed? Are you looking at new ways that people are looking at places? Maybe smaller places? Maybe not the mega cities anymore? Maybe we're popular now, right? I'd like to think that we were always popular. It's our, <laughs> our little hidden gem. You know, we, we all love Lexington. Um, but but I do. I think, you know, one of the things that we sort of took a step back and really thought about was, you know, coming out of the pandemic, travel behaviors have changed. Um, people have changed the way they're planning trips have changed and what people are looking for has changed and so we wanted to kind of take a fresh look at ourselves and how we want to show up in these spaces because we've got a lot of what people are looking for and we saw a huge amount of momentum coming out of 2022 some of those numbers are are coming to light and we're really excited about that Um, so I think sort of taking a fresh look again, like I said, as to how we want to show up in some of these places, knowing that, you know, people are looking for those unique 
um, cultural experiences, maybe not the big, um, you know, some of the, the big. Well, like you go to New York and everything. Okay, for instance, we're planning a trip to D.C. this yeah. summer. So it's specific to summer. Yeah, you have to know. 30 days, 60 days, 90 days yeah. out if you want to go to a museum because yeah. you can't just walk in. And right. in a lot of big cities, it's still like that because of COVID or for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, it's just that they don't have the staff. So you right. have to know six months in advance, oh, I want to go to, you know, Bugs XYZ restaurant Lexington's or something. not really like yeah. that. Yeah, you can we come still have Lexington. the charm of old old place, right. uh, old smaller we're places. easy to get to. It's easy to plan a trip here and it's easy to get around here. Right. Mm -hmm. So when people are kind of looking at, you know, the, the types of trips they're wanting to take, you know, road trips are, are a big thing. Affordability is a really big thing. Sure. And we are within a day's drive of two thirds of the U.S. population. So it's a great place for people to come and visit and spend a weekend uh, or a long weekend. That's and a great stat. We're uh -huh. we're in a day's drive, two thirds of the U.S. Yeah. population. I yeah. never yeah. think about that, mm -hmm. but but you're right. That's a big driving force. Very centrally yeah. located. What about historical tourism too? There's a lot of people are looking for smaller history moments, not mm -hmm. just huge big things. When you said about Washington, mm -hmm. you know, you go there for the big stuff, yeah. but you can explore some smaller stuff and then eat out at our great and growing culinary establishments. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, these these little niche experiences that we can offer, and at the visitor center, they're you know they're so gracious and helpful in pointing people to the types of experiences that they're looking for. We've got um, walking tours that you can take that are self guided. You know, I think people are also kind of looking for those experiences that are outdoors or where you're not in some huge crowd, and that you can kind of just take things at your own pace. And we we offer an awful lot of that too. So that was what I saw was the biggest appeal coming out of the pandemic. You know, being a restaurant owner and watching the books go from you know zero to hero you know big parties were coming in right. and it was it was a lot of the bluegrass tour groups and oh, farm tours yeah and i couldn't quite figure that out because you know we grew up in kentucky there's horses everywhere I mean, right. we have horses hard work i don't know why people mm -hmm. want to go into a horse <laughs> barn and spend the day but there's a lot of majesty behind our horse they farm. see there's the majesty they don't see the <laughs> so i mean agritourism seems to be a big deal around oh, here yeah. but just finding something maybe with wide open spaces that's not in a crowded city it seemed like uh -huh. a much more relaxed vacation the vacation we're all looking for right, right. and i think yeah. that's exactly. something people are looking for way of putting in. yeah the, the relaxed vacation uh -huh. like people are over people the are hustle they, and bustle yeah of the, they don't want the frenzy the world and i think the the covid pandemic gave us a little bit of a break and a little space mm -hmm. a lot of things and now we're picking and choosing and you also, know we're not going to pay three times as much to rush in to new york city and mm -hmm. go to one show and have enough money left over for a slice of pizza and get back home. Here you uh, can spend three yeah. or four days, be relaxed, have a good hotel room, and have lots a to experience. A wonderful dinner, yeah. But also, you know, things like getting on an airplane. I will do now, because of the pandemic, it's kind of taught me, I don't want to fly. I don't want to. Yeah, we're still wary. Aren't yeah, I'm more mm -hmm. worried about flying than anything else just because of the constant, you know, you're, you're in there stuck with a bunch of people and the air's recycled, so I'll drive. Mm -hmm. So I would yeah. rather drive to a place than fly there, which... You know, that, that, like you said, that we're two-thirds drive from anywhere. Yeah. So if you're coming from Chicago, you're coming from... I would just most of our tourism come from big to small or small to big, meaning people from Chicago and Atlanta or people from, like, say, Huntington and, you know, small mm -hmm. areas coming to us as the bigger city. You know, and I want to back up really quick to talk about sort of that central location that we have. And I think another, you know, 
if you're looking for sort of the silver lining and one of the things that really played into our advantage during the pandemic was that our convention center was under construction. That's so right. We went right. through this period of time where we really weren't able to sell that space because as a planner, you know, when you don't know exactly when something's going to be yeah. completed, you're more hesitant to book there. So we mm-hmm. certainly felt felt that a little bit, but it sort of gave us the opportunity to take a breath. The convention center came about. We've got yeah. even more opportunities to attract these groups. And when you're planning a meeting, you know, you want somewhere where attendees can come and your attendance is going to be up and being that close in that central location allows for that so we found that meeting planners are really excited about what we offer too and again just such such a great opportunity for that that um you know meetings business to to come back for us and and that's really good now what about culinary uh what's going on out there um i know that you know you are keeping your finger on the pulse of that and we have new restaurants coming in all the time and yes. do you frequently get people who say where can we eat where you know what what can we do yes i think eating is such a and, and culinary oh, yeah. is such a big piece of oh, the yeah. travel experience what i mean else i think is there man you know i think that's the best <laughs> way to really experience the culture of somewhere and i think one of the things about lexington you know we want to create that that visual in, in people's minds of of you know, the beautiful landscapes and the horses and the bourbon. And then a That's relaxing dinner. And yeah. giving them that to grab yeah. onto. But when, when you get here and when you start looking at what we offer, the real surprise and delight is, you know, for those that um, that aren't as familiar with us, it's this amazing culinary scene and culture and arts scene that we have here. I like this thought, and, and I'm going to say it, you know, I think we had the image for the longest time of, of barefoot with an outhouse, you know, and yeah. it was fried chicken and hot browns in Greece, right? Well, mm-hmm. Southern food had a renaissance over the past 10 it years. Did. It all became farm to table. You know what we and do best in this region, yeah. right? Yeah. So now when we kind of look at a national scale, fried chicken, bourbon, hot browns have a mystique. It's almost like the... I don't know, the cliche of like the, the, what is it, Yellowstone right now. It's all about Montana and yeah, how glorious yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah. Well, I think we have that kind of same appeal. And I don't know yeah. what it is. There is something high-end, really mystical about horses. There is something high-end kind of majestic They're about majestic. bourbon and all the things you can yeah. learn about, all the ways it's made, all the oh, different yeah. brands. So I don't know, which one is it? Horses <laughs> or bourbon are you coming I, for? Yeah, just I know. And then the food that goes with it. Yeah. The other interesting thing that's happening is I think there are, it used to be just downtowns. And now what you have is you have clusters of hotels, like in our part of the city, mm-hmm. uh, clusters of hotels where people are coming for really glorious dinners in places they never expected. Absolutely. I think that's an excellent point. And that's something that really even coming out of the pandemic, when you look at sort of how we were moving people throughout the city, you know, say even five years ago, and now we've got so many of those little different pockets that have their own kind of feeling and vibe that you can send Mm -hmm. people to, and they have great shopping and dining and brewery options. Um, And the personality. Yeah, they They have their own personality. We're very lucky to have that. And again, it just goes back to it's it's a really easy place to get around. We're setting this up well. You know, the the whole area in terms of we see the wine trail in Napa and Sonoma. We have a bourbon trail here from Louisville all the way down. Mm-hmm. I mean, these little pockets where you can go and visit distilleries are getting the infrastructure now with little restaurants and little yeah. bed and breakfasts where, you know, you guys can bring in large groups. I mean, that's the biggest thing for a convention planner is like, OK, I'm bringing in 200 people. Yeah. What are what they going to do? Doing? And what's really and how are we going to get them there? Offer and and. 
and drive attendance. Right. Let, let well, me no. mention uh, Sullivan University, too, which I think is driving a lot of our culinary scene. Uh, oh, with, you right. know, I know, mm-hmm. Chef, you use a lot of the interns there. These are very highly trained culinary people. And I think that's going to boost our culinary scene even more. Well, well yeah, and it baffles me as a, a young, well, young chefs are coming to Kentucky to learn. I left Kentucky to learn. To come. I know, and you don't have to. You know, you look at like Top Chef came to Kentucky and people mm-hmm. said, why are you coming to Kentucky? And then you're like, oh, there's all this world-class stuff. Look at Charleston. Charleston wasn't always Charleston. Charleston mm-hmm. at one point was just a southern city and they're like, we have really good food and people, this is a mecca. But so most of the people listening right now are from here. You know, and visit Lex if you've not been to the old courthouse, you know, where, oh, where uh, yeah, Weta Michael's beautiful. place is. It's a beautiful visitor center. And I, as someone who lives here, still go there because I learn a lot of things about the city. So if if you're from Lexington, uh, what are the advantages? What, what should you be doing? You know, because when you live in a place, you don't really take advantage of that place. You go other yeah. places and spend money. What can people be doing here that you would encourage people to come out, you know, who come to this town? Should they start at Visit Lex? Is there, Visit Lex yeah. is a great place to start. You know, our visitor center is, like you said, it's it's beautiful. We've got, um, you know, tons of resources in there that can help plan and sort of give you ideas, things outside of the box. You know, I think a lot of us probably have certain activities and things we typically do. So mm-hmm. I always encourage um, folks well, to go do something you've never done, eat somewhere you've never eaten. You said you took your children there. Tour. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a, a perfect I, I kind of Lex visit Lex you go to the downtown and, and it's kind of like the concierge of Lexington you know what I mean like yes. that's the, yeah. the good, one-stop good shop to, like yeah. this is a starting point you know after that gather your material and then hit the streets mm-hmm. right it, the biggest compliment I can get it give is so me and my family go to visit Lex you know, probably like once a month take the kids in there and the people who work in the, in the the gift shop there in the visit Lex Center are the most passionate people about about the city there's one woman in particular who she used to be a teacher and when my kids come in they learn they their little (laughs) minds get blown oh it's great because she she's able to like talk to them in a way that they get and we leave with like postcards and all this stuff they put on their walls and we leave with a thousand about something that simple you can take your kids to a it's a a free place to go (laughs) and learn about your city there's things you can you know there's they can smell bourbon they can smell it's it's a they have little samples that you can smell and go smell period (laughs) yeah but it's a a very interactive place to take Ah, kids i need to know this on a rainy saturday i'm telling you grandchildren or grandkids to the visitor center and just let them explore there's a lot of fun things there to do and see absolutely there's so much great stuff going on downtown now too you know we've um fresh bourbon the the tasting room that we have down the street and some of the new restaurants and things downtown you know it's just been really exciting um to see things coming back together and i think that's another thing you know we've been so lucky that we have been able to rebound, you know, somewhat quickly. And I think that's something that's different than maybe some of the larger cities. So when you're thinking about visiting, um, I think people come here and and it feels lively and the experience is warm and wonderful. And and that's something that we're just, we're so fortunate. Yeah. That's something you can't get in other cities. Like, you know, Chicago has this and New York has this, but that we warmth have in that yeah. a warmth a southern charm uh-huh. that you don't get in every place and when people come here from chicago or philadelphia they're amazed uh, they're amazed we see it. that all the time in the restaurant yeah. yeah oh yeah, yeah. absolutely people be- in those hotels come over and they're like wow this place blows my mind i yeah, have what's no this idea doing in kentucky in a strip mall yeah 
Well, we have such a great local community here. And I think all the local businesses that support one another, we've just been so fortunate. It's it truly is a very, you know, inclusive, welcoming place. And I I just I think that's so genuine. And that's something that we um, are being very, very thoughtful about in, in, you know, our marketing efforts as we're communicating, you know, who we are to some of these larger Mm -hmm. um, or, or new markets. And I think that's the thing, you know, going into spring, we're so excited to be able to launch, you know, big campaigns again, sharing Lexington, um, with other markets. Chicago is going to be a really big one for us. We had a lot of momentum there in 2019. It's a huge bourbon market. Um, so being able to kind of go big there and, and share our story and, and draw people, draw people yeah, in, bourbon but in a is responsible huge. way. Bourbon is huge. It, it, it's worldwide. <laughs> Growing. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know if you can find but, a small bourbon market now. No, <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. right, the stuff that we know was like eight bucks a bottle growing up. Now it's like, <laughs> right afford it. Right. You know, it's the same stuff. Um, well, anyway, we got about a minute left, so let's tell people how to get in touch with Visit Lex and what they can expect. The visitor center is downtown in the uh, what was the old courthouse, the old which courthouse. is now the beautiful renovated courthouse. Um, that's the visitor center. Obviously, go to visitlex.com, right? Yes. And where how else can people find Visit Lex and, and you know enjoy it? We'd love for you all to follow us on social. We're on Facebook and Instagram and and Twitter and um, and the website is a really great resource for you know looking for just things to do. You know we've got um, our calendar of events. We highlight some featured events there, but we've also we also have guides and itineraries and local recommendations. So lots of of great content there. And I'd say you know going into the month of February, it's Black History Month. Um, mm, that's right. You know there are the African American History and Heritage Walking Tour downtown is something that. That's really fabulous mm-hmm. if you haven't done that, um, you know, and, and encouraged to support our, our local Black-owned businesses and, and, and restaurants as well. And yeah. check it out at visitlex.com. Leslie Miller, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you all so great. much for you're, bearing with me. Too. Oh, you did you're great. perfect. Awesome. You're great. See how fun it is? Thank you. It goes by fast. Back in a moment, it's Food thank News you. and Choose Radio.